Truth can only be expressed through lies. Paradoxes are a good lens for the films of Bruno Dumont. He shows us humanity in a film about rape and murder. He shows us tenderness in films about bullying and bravado. He uses sci-fi surrealism and slapstick to shed light on quotidian rural life in northern France. Dumont's figures are outsiders, idiosyncratic, neurodivergent perhaps, twitching and gurning through indifferent muddy <laughs> landscapes. Not the picture postcard view of northern France, but not kitchen sink realism either, a sort of ethereal banality. But there's a twist in this tale. Last year, Dumont cast Léa Seydoux and the city of Paris in a glamorous state of the nation satire, simply entitled France. Nothing in Dumont's filmography prepares us for this derive away from the scrubland into the centre-ville of media and power. And yet, with the Prince of Paradoxes, we are trained to expect the unexpected. You're listening to MoobTube, the Cahiers de Cinema for the Letterbox generation. <laughs> I'm joined by two Bruno boys, um, two Bruno bros, uh, my regular co-host Owen and friend of the show, George Macbeth, who last joined us all the way from Germany to discuss Alexander Kluger. He's now here in the studio with us. George, what was your first date with Dumont and what made you stick around? L'Humanité. Mm. And uh, I rewatched it. I, I, I finished it and woke up in the morning and rewatched it. Uh, and then the binge began. Right. And then I binged for a, a week or so. <coughs> but I probably need to revisit once more, I think, Humanity. But then, yeah, that was the starter. What was your first impression of Humanity? Because it's, it, it's quite a, a, a restrained, brutal affair. Just totally puzzled. It was like a. It completely, um, just maddeningly, like, enigmatic in lots of ways. Like, uh, I couldn't really figure out. Initially, I, I think I succumbed to what you felt, which is that I thought this was a kind of kitchen sink, grim. Um, I thought it was the Darden brothers, basically. Mm. Those were moralizing sure. the lessons of Darden. Yeah. And then, of course, like, you search and you, you can't see the lessons mm. because they aren't there and you can't see the politics because uh, that's that's not the terrain in which the film is... Even is when it depicts it like workers going on a strike, there's a curious indifference to it all. Mm. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. Uh, but there was a, like a weird familiarity as well. This is, there was something about uh, particularly the environment, the like landscapes, uh, the compositions of the shots, um, everything suddenly felt like, uh, yeah, familiar. Like I've walked around these films beforehand. Mm. Owen, we we, mm. we last spoke about Dumont on this podcast last year. That yeah, over a With year Humanité, ago. Now. which was our first onboarding to the kind of yeah muddy, bloody. It was on movie back when yeah. we were doing a podcast exclusively cheap, about yeah. movie films. <laughs> um, and um, I, my reaction was mixed. Um, I think I could see some um, virtue in it, but I was alienated either by the austerity of it mm. or by a kind of distaste with just the lack of attractive people. I think I remember describing <laughs> everyone in the cast <laughs> as being a solid four. <laughs> <laughs> True. And yet his uh, films are a solid 10 out of 10. Exactly, you know? but that was not yeah. a, a conclusion Dumont I came to initially. like a nine. He's like a kind of handsome. What chisels. about Farron's neighbour? She's all right. Farron's neighbour. Domin no, she's Domino. hot in like a kind of sloppy, the best, the best. This is the, not what we came in to discuss. Sorry. No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> um, can, I, can I first of all say that? <laughs> it's um, a sunny, bright day in London. It's a privilege to be here in yep. a bar story in Peckham. <laughs> we're recording live. Uh, it's pretty empty in here, actually. Um, How's everyone gone? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's, you mentioned kitchen sink realism 
actually and it's impossible to escape the kind of gravitational pull of making that that um kind of dis of defining in terms of genre bruno de mont is kind of this realist it's this kind of grimy grim not grimy quite clean realist mm. um i like to think of him has more like baptismal font realism <laughs> that's where i'm going can you say this. a bit more about it i can say a bit more because like again you mentioned austerity um you know his films are quite remarkable in what they don't show um you know there's i mean one thing we can talk about is is the presence of the divine um and the sublime in all of his films so you know even there is it, it's that's why you can't kind of you know the, the kind of shane meadows films or whatever the kind of kitchen sink realism mm -hmm. um that is all there is you know the world well, there's, there's a pretense to the real i mean i think yeah, well, but the here it escapes the trajectory launches off there is this unspoken indefined intangible otherness around his films mm. which sometimes characters glimpse sometimes it kind of penetrates the film itself like you get real moments of like sci-fi what you might call um you know if you're a simpleton and you were religious you'd probably call like a, a miracle right mm. you know there are mm. moments of miracle if you're a, a religious and a simpleton <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, all right richard dawkins oh all right but they are no, they, but they are tuned into the humanist hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but they are there are moments where and then they don't happen very often um mm. You know, in in we can talk about loads and loads of examples in Concon. You know, the the first series of Concon. But they shouldn't. They shouldn't happen very often, right? In order they to should, be yeah, miracles so by almost by definition are quite unusual. Infrequent, <laughs> unusual. It might just be the kid, the Spider Man, Speedo Man, who jumps on the wall and sticks there. <gasps> Fuck! I forgot about Incredible Spider Man. Moment. Yeah. Oh and God. it's that's the only part in that film that really escapes the real. But that's enough to kind of. Suddenly I mean, there's loads of stuff escape. Well, no, actually, yeah, that's in the Kong sequel Kong. in the sequel. Yeah, in yeah, Kong, yeah. Kong, the well, first season. It, that's this one singular moment where the unreal like the door kind of opens a little bit wider mm. and you get this glimpse of this this kind of surreal otherness that but it's also this the slippage is like it can also i mean it's a bit like a dialectical image you know it, it's mm. both in one place and in the other yeah. at the same time and each one of his uh behaves this way like so the other one that i had in mind as one of these moments of uh, the the miraculous that makes you doubt whether or not you've seen what you think you've seen, which is yeah. the levitation um, in the allotment <laughs> yeah. at the end of Humanity. And that was one of the Fuck ones yeah. where that prompted me to rewatch it after mm. I'd watched it for the first time in the morning after. Um, yeah, I, I think just, bit, I'd like to, later on we'll talk in more depth about Khan Khan and the structure of it and how it sort of, how it situates into yeah. one's filmography. But just to, to come back to your point about realism and, and the, obviously like we don't want to dwell as much on it, but a lot of the engagement from Britain with Dumont's filmography is um, projecting Britain's complicated, uh, well, uncomplicated, unfortunately uncomplicated relationship to realism. I think, you know, British filmmaking's original sin is this pretense to be able to depict the real through um, direct techniques. And, and I think even Alan Clark, who is my favorite British filmmaker, and is kind of unfairly boxed in with realism. He still has this sort of uh, dogmatism about want, you know, an elephant wanting to show the violence, wanting to sort of show. Dumont mm. doesn't do that. You know, he really mm. avoids moralizing or using film as a vehicle for anything other than sort of just kind of. But that's depicting. also. I mean, it's be it's because of the relationship to an understanding of omission. And mm. lacuna and what's not shown, mm. right? And I, I understood this a bit better 
because that's part of what gives the films the enigmatic quality and it's not done through kind of like strange temporal leaps or changes in location no. we never change location <laughs> no, we're always yeah. in the same fucking grim apart from maybe Flanders Flond- yeah, yeah and true, yeah, true. notable exception um, but in this interview where he's talking about how he basically sculpts the film's form through a process of extraction mm-hmm. uh, and so very often scenes are just uh, rerun in kind of 17 or 18 different confabulations of the same basic thing mm-hmm. subsequently he will rearrange these and rearrange these and that's how the form emerges yeah and because they can appear often you talk about linearity you know time they can appear kind of um like a series of disconnected moments that kind of together congeal around a whole like horse satan is a really good example of this because there is a kind of recursive looping plot in a way there is a narrative there about um <laughs> this satan like figure and this young girl who he kind of befriends um there is a murder of her father there are moments of redemption and violence but lots of the scenes are them just walking from place to place you know dumont there's the classic dumont shot these anamorphic yeah, yeah. lenses people walking up a long lane people yeah. walking up a lane people walking into a farm arriving at a farmhouse and are going through a door there's these moments of continued arrival and it's you you might assume that they're kind of happening they are happening in a in a <coughs> sorry <coughs> COVID. covid um they are happening in a kind of linear way there's no reason to doubt that they're not linear in any sense but they this episodic kind of fragmentary nature kind of helps to sustain unreality because you know they are very ordinary films but you know we rarely see people doing ordinary things like everything that is kind of banal is also extraordinary um that's curiously there is there is no there's no fixation on like uh cooking or yeah exactly there's domestic routines or Mm. um and uh, despite all of the farm scenery we never actually see anyone inside the tilling the land or anything that could be confused for a kind of like uh idealization of rural life or rustic Mm. um existence yeah we see people moving from place to place there's a huge amount of like kinetic energy happening in his films but not much you know one of the key motifs of his films is like fast cars you know is lads on mopeds bicycles uh sports cars tearing around and what they're doing is they're moving with enormous amount of explosive energy but they're not Mm -hmm. going anywhere they're going across a field to go to another farmhouse they see they're suddenly motivated by this huge explosion of kind of you know you might call it like sublimated rage or something but they're not going anywhere they're just going to they might drive to a bit of calais they might drive to a a tunnel they might drive to another bit of field that's uh, Mm. broadly identical to the bit of field Mm -hmm. they just left they're kind of directionless in a way and all the characters inhabit mm. the same world ultimately like so ralph you said at the top that france seems to be out on a limb which is not got a precedent but there is that amazing moment when leah sado's character uh, she arrives in um, some godforsaken bit of Normandy to yes. investigate a story when her uh, career is finally back on track. And she does this moment of faux sincerity next yeah. to... Uh, but she is a tourist in Dumont's field. Exactly. Yeah, but she, yeah it's, it's like, yeah, exactly. Paying lip service. She's a kind of... Returning to she's a visitor. She thinks she's an angelic kind of visitor. Mm-hmm. But um, I suppose the film... Yeah, France is such a, such a strange one because it... it France does suggest a moral clarity more so <coughs> it, it, it like the square you know by Robin Usland it, mm. it it taps into a um, into a kind of an idea of liberal 
liberal complacency or, or guilt and, and class, it, it, it plows those fields much more and That's what strongly. made it a bit flat-footed for me. I felt mm-hmm. that he was less confident of his own instincts right. in these areas. Um, so, like, one, one of the statements that I did find quite uh, opposite from like, this uh, interview we saw with him is mm. uh, when he says, like, as sociology, my films are false. Right. You know? <laughs> Um, what he means is that they shouldn't be used as a sociological tool. lens. Yeah. So yeah. when they see like the main character in La Vie de Jésus being racist or something, people right. shouldn't say, "Ah, this is very interesting because you know the rise of the far right." Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually more a question about that character's kind of moral complexity than their own their own ambiguity as a character. You know, because like I said, we were chatting the other day and saying, you know, he 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 wants us desperately to um, empathise in complicated ways with his characters, but he makes it for the kind of hand-wringing liberal, as it were. He makes it very difficult for them mm. to do that. And one of the complaints people made about Concon and Coincoin were, uh, I don't know where the source was, but I think one of you mentioned it, people were like, you know, oh, this is really, really great. I love it. It's very funny and it's, you know, very beautiful, but why does everyone have to be so racist? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly, yeah. And it's kind of, it, they're reflecting, that's the kind of surface reality of this part of Normandy and Flanders is that people are pretty racist. Um, and we're not supposed to remark on that any more than that everyone seems to have a clapped up Renault that they drive around and mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. part of the furniture yeah. um, mm-hmm. and it's not a, a kind of it's not a, a kind of lever to to under to crack open the skulls of these people we're not really being invited to do that um, that's in a way what's most striking in Flanders I mean we I, I watched Flanders last night and we talked about it a bit in the chat and like you know like even the the the, 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 the gang rape scene or various scenes where they just shoot children in the head um, well, this is a, a, a in Flanders. There's Flanders cuts between scenes from the place Flanders, uh, where uh, it's set in the early 21st century. There's war going on in the Middle East that the men in this village go off to fight, um, and um, and yeah, while they're out fighting, they they commit various warlike atrocities and have warlike atrocities committed upon them, and it kind of pushes to its extreme how much sort of like how much that indifference can be born because i mean you said earlier Owen, about horse satan the title is outside satan right if i'm mm. if i'm not mistaken and and you know and and yet you described him as a satan like figure we've had we've had interesting disagreements mm. especially in the humanity episode where i very mistakenly thought well i mean there is a shot at the end spoiler alert where farion has handcuffs around him at the very end yep. he sort of sat where the joseph who we assume is is the killer was that um it's kind of ambiguous whether this is like some kind of attempt to show like the full the full process by which Farron attempts to try and identify with the darkness with suffering yeah. with suffering mm, yeah. or whether it's some kind of coy idea that he actually did it but I, I i'm on the second viewing i'm not at all convinced of that but no. you know it is it is interesting that dumont invites and then rejects this kind of idea of moral judgment and i think especially in flanders just because the behavior of the characters is so uh much more extreme it's is probably is but that's the film when people talk about dumont as this kind of god of grimness and all this stuff i think that's the film they're specifically thinking about i think i think that's i think they're thinking about a lot of his films but i think they're actually well, they're, they're the correct for, for once they're correct yeah they're correct <laughs> in identifying that. it but he's he makes real pains to um you know to to remove any kind of immediate geopolitical context you know because the war they're fighting isn't one of france's wars um it's not iraq it's not Mm. afghanistan where france were minimally involved if at all um and it's not 
North Africa. Um, it's absolutely, it's completely abstracted away from any real conflict. It's somewhere in the Levant, and it does have geopolitical. Like, and it's also lost in time because they're on yeah. horseback, and they have their their packs and their provisions are not, you know. Yeah, then it's not like not in camo, they don't, I think, or they're in like. Yeah, but in two thousand and six, like, like very obviously, you would. There is a context there. <coughs> Maybe, yeah, but I think yeah. he's aware of that context and but is doing everything head, he can. To, it's not Jarhead. And he's doing everything he can to kind of uh, disarticulate that, that easy assumption going, oh, this is about, uh, you know, American interventionism. But what difference in would it make if he articulated it? What difference would it make because if, there was, trying a, to make if make there was a, a sign saying Iraq at the beginning? Like, what difference would that really make? Because again, that would invite, it would invite these kind of too easy like so, like sociological lenses on what I think it would have to invite I think you basically need to and what for, to achieve what he's seeking to do which by his own omission I think is sort of philosophizing in film mm. or like much, yeah. right he's sort of uh, but not philosophizing in the sense of making arguments mm. in the sense of just exploring ideas um, and kind of prismatically or almost in the cubist way kind of like uh fragmenting this one idea let's say uh of uh humanity i suppose would be of empathy itself right like um to do that you need to remove a certain measure of determinacy and people think because the insistence on the location that they're local films but of uh, and that's precisely that what I find so inviting about them is that they they don't think that to achieve abstraction or to like achieve a certain measure of um uh clarity of ideas and where you that you need to reduce the specificity of the image mm-hmm. in fact you increase it yeah and they're very densely in a place mm-hmm. that people entirely belong to and we know this he like he casts them from like local welfare centers and like he picks people up he kind you of just finds like oh, he yeah, just yeah. finds retarded he just, he, just, he just knocked on the door to get freddie from levides <laughs> oh yeah Jesus. he just knocked on the door <laughs> a random door and he opened it and he's like yeah you're the, and he's like you're the, the one because i think uh, you're right though he's he's zooming in so closely that you achieve abstraction through a very like macro yeah. lens and i think you know, this isn't Andrew Zalowski doing on the Silver Globe and taking the action to a whole other planet in no. order to explore humanity and questions of kind of, you know, fate and, and all these kind of broader philosophical investigations. He's not doing that. He's saying, okay, this is the context. He knows the context really well, so he can kind of comfortably probe its nuances. He knows these people, he knows the accents, and that enables him to kind of disfigure it and introduce these moments of sublimity um, that creep in in all of his films like you mentioned the levitation levitation is something that enters and even his kind of I suppose his most goofy and fun film Slack Bay mm. um, you know levitation plays a really <laughs> central role in that you know the end literally has a kind of like Fellini-esque uh, moment where the the chief investigator this huge balloon of a man literally mm. floats down the beach it's very tintin this one i think Truly, this, is, the, this yeah. is his most tintin film i mean his yeah. his comic ones verge towards the tintin anyway i think yeah yeah but this 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 is really uh, always, there is always some element of like transcendence or like aberration from the real yeah in all of, totally, maybe not yeah. in levita what, what happens in levita i mean mm. it's lots of different uh, dimensions that one like in 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 horse set well horse satan is like is like probably maybe his most spiritual film in a way or like no the yeah. jesus like has the bit it where she's crossing she's like he gets this woman to cross this this like tiny little narrow strip of yeah i, I find this a bit of a, 
It's um, like a bit like nostalgia. Yeah, with the exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also the field that homage, yeah. explodes into flame, which he Amazing implies scene, he then, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it implies he stops the burning. Yeah, and yeah. it's kind of divine act. But I think as well, Levita Jesus talk about that. That's probably his one that's most rooted in the real. It's also his first film. Mm. Um, there are moments, and for him, it's characters looking at, which is again a motif, characters looking at the sky. And, you know, at the very end of the film, he lays back in the grass yeah, yeah. and he's staring at the sky. Mm. And those are moments he, he's showing you the, they're seeing something, but we're seeing them see something. That explains so much of his films, mm. people seeing something that is just, in the same way that Farron sees something when the Eurostar goes by and he, and he screams at it yeah, or he, in, in, yeah. The, in the market garden you know in the um, allotment sorry when he kind of stands in the middle of the allotment and is just staring out right, right, right. across the fields so are yeah. these moments when they're connecting with something Hosatan it's when Satan as it were if he's Satan hmm. prays or seems to pray before these huge blank landscapes um, and in Heidewitch uh, the final scene when she's she kind of goes um, after a period of kind of like endless uh, religious anxieties and twists and turns decides to knock herself off in a pond um, and <laughs> just at the point when the bubbles have stopped surfacing to the water the character that will become the main protagonist of for Satan is, uh, who we've only seen the guy, in, the guy they call him yeah, the guy, yeah. He, he just fishes her out of the water mm. and we get a uh, um, a close-up of him and then of course he becomes actually I've noticed this is <coughs> the same character basically yeah y yeah but this is how he links the films together mm. it's almost like Palacian like because mm. uh, Farion in humanity comes from the end of Levit yeah. yeah and they they thread together and into this one. Oh, was Farion in La Vida Jesus? No no but he was inspired oh, the by actor the inspector who was, yeah, the and end, then he yeah. said he wouldn't do it because yeah. his wife would leave him mm. yeah but I think um, there are you're right there's this is a persistent universe where that you might say that like the 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 Newtonian rules or laws that govern his world apply equally across all his films. This is the same time, mm -hmm. even his films that kind of like, you know, when we're glimpsing into the past, you know, with Jeanette or with Slack Bay, which is like set in 1910, um, we feel like we're just in an earlier iteration of this world. We don't feel like it's a separate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's constantly, as I think, if you I mean, like definitely it, with Slack Bay, because mm. you can see him warming up for Kong Kong. Mm. Yeah, because uh, the two detectives who yeah. are these buffoonish kind of Clouseau-like characters are literally the two detectives we then kind of see yeah. in, which is, which speaks to a kind of, because we have these like in, inefficient um, detectives, I don't think he's commenting on the, on the um, kind of uh, state absurdity of, of state. Contemporary gendarme. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I don't think he's saying yeah, that at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. But he is commenting perhaps on this the kind of it's absurdity not film. it's not a cap yeah. no but he might be commenting <laughs> he's, he's on the absurdity of um but he's um, like anti-institutional um and his distrust of kind of is he anti-institutional i think he is in a way because he definitely is like yeah. hideaway the whole thrust of it is basically that um this girl is kind of uh frumpy what do you call it when somebody is um, in training to become a, a nun, uh, uh, well, you said it anyway. Yeah, so like yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, 
but she's she's thrown out of the uh, the nunnery because of the fervor, the kind of intensity, the like Kierkegaardian. She believes too much. Yeah, she, yeah, be- yeah. she believes too much, and there's seen to be a kind of like pride or a narcissism in her mm-hmm. in her um, devotion. Devotion, and so then of course our zealotry leads her into a into one of Dumont's classic kind of uh, odd couplings, because um, she's the daughter of like a, a rich Parisian, um, and she ends up with this. Uh, a zealous young guy from the band lose mm-hmm. um but yeah they're the anti-institutional for us is of course that you know the church could not accommodate uh a relation to god such as she wants to have mm-hmm. and a love that she um is kind of purporting to achieve so it's all based on this 13th century mystics yeah. under which his ideas about love it's anti-dogmatic and, absolutely yeah. but exactly in that sense I sort of think anti, anti-institution doesn't quite do it justice because it's more just like it's reconciled to the fact that people will fail to assimilate into institutions but also a recognition that institutions will fail to adapt or also that you know something like God or we'll divinity the divine can't be encapsulated by it's like this Lavinian thing almost it can't be encapsulated contained by something as human as the church or as you know and I think one of the touchstones for um, you know say Jeanette which is his musical um, story of, of Joan of Arc or the childhood of Joan of Arc um, the, the source material for all that Tommy. was yeah, yeah well, the source material for all that was a play written by Charles Pigay um who was a French theologian, mystic theologian, um, who w- had a very complicated relationship with the Catholic Church because he was kind of uh, not—he wasn't really permitted access to it and was very critical um, of the excesses of the Catholic Church. He was anti-dogmatic. He had a kind of uh, natural of the land, Proudhonian kind of um, uh, socialist Christian Christ, Christ, Catholicism, basically. That is the literal source material for Jeanette. Um, and there's lots of things when you look through Pagai's writing that really resonate with the world that um, Dumont is building. You know, um, he said that uh, the sinner is at the heart of um, Christianity, of belief. Like his belief in the sinner as the essential thing that throws belief into, into relief is the sinner and sin. And he also said that, um, you know, uh, everything begins in mysticism and ends in politics. Um, and mm. I feel like kind of Dumont is tracking the same thing and he maybe it's inverting it in a way and he's taking those he's things that are political. Yeah, he's returning it. So everything, all these things, all these little ca- touches which are political, which is the migrant crisis. People going on strike. People going on strike, uh, which is like politics in a broad sense, like day-to-day life, uh, the, the kind of Front National, all this stuff. Well, race t- relations. Race I mean, relations. He doesn't the really get there with class France struggle in that respect. No. Because France d- stays in the discourse somewhat. Yeah. yeah, and then this is why I feel that mysticism it's, to discourse back to yeah, this is, yeah, back is to the train with the diagram we're drawing. I also felt he didn't know what to do with with Paris mm. as, as a character a in his. He film. didn't know how to shoot Paris. He didn't know, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, very touristic. Yeah. yeah, and in Heidewitch, he shots this is manifest there, yeah, because that's his only other film set in Paris, mm-hmm. um, and he, he deliberately kind of uh, shoots it as though he was shooting in Lyon or like some other minor. City, like you never see the Eiffel Tower, you don't see any mm. anything of any distinction um, in, in France. No, no, in Hadowitz. Oh, when he goes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah, whereas um, in France, it's very. I mean, it's it's every. That's as I said in my intro. It's it's capital everything. It's you know, it's a capital, you know, leading lady, literally a Bond girl, you know, the the the, the capital city, one of the most famous cities in the world, in full 
you know, Champs-Élysées postcard yeah. regalia. And, you know, media and power as the kind of, like, main topic. And we never see... It's such a departure from his usual palette. We sometimes glimpse those things. You know, there's a journalist in, um, in Concon, in CoinCoin, who occasionally rocks up, but she's <laughs> dismissed very quickly. You get these little, like little expressions of, of institutions and power. You get the mayor, but the mayor's pretty ineffectual. You've obviously got the, the detectives who are a representation of kind of the state, but they're ineffectual. The It's funny that the police station, so the gendarme station in Coin Coin mm-hmm. is the restaurant in Kong Kong. It's the same building. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it might have just been a quirk of like location shoot scanning, but I mm-hmm. kind of like the idea that these this, this kind of gendarme station is kind of just it just kind of floats around. It's just mm. occasionally inhabits one space and then another. It's kind mm. of, it seems kind of like it's odd not to recognize that building because it's quite a re- identifiable yeah, yeah. seafront so, property. So let's zoom out here a bit because Dumont's yeah. career is, you know, some careers, some film careers are very short and, and there's only really one period available and other careers, you know, like Godard's kind of veer this way and that way. Um, looking at Dumont's career, you know, he starts off teaching philosophy and working as a videographer for... I don't know if it's the government or the university, but essentially doing videography of buildings, quite boring image capture. Industrial film. Okay. Industrial film, exactly. Um, and he says that through just standing with a tripod and a camera, what like waiting for like to capture enough footage of, of a certain thing, he developed this ability to sort of film things in this not neutral way, but like the kind to of to make boring things. To make boring things, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Then he makes yeah. So he makes the video. Jazu and Humanité, which feel very much of a piece. He does 29 Palms, which we haven't talked about because I guess we haven't seen it. I've, I've seen it. It's a bit of a mess. Okay. I, I think it's an anomaly. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so his films gradually develop more and more of a sort of spiritual imminent uh, possibility in them and, 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 and manifest these kind of unusual transcendent moments. That kind of comes to head with Horse Satan, which is like in its own way, like a mystic parable. Um, and well, the crisis really happens with the next one with Camille Claudel. With Camille Claudel, mm. which the Julie Binoche. It's Julie a breakdown Binoche. film. This is a, it's, this is a cry for help. You have to break down to, <laughs> to, to, to rebuild. Binocheification as cry for help. <laughs> yeah. like, so this is the sort of uh, film he's re- received enough art house um, success that, like you know, many people work with Swinton now. Uh, he worked with Binoche, a, 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 a better actor than Swinton, but still someone capable of, of uh, you know. She's still an actor. I mean, that's the thing because we're in that interview, that masterclass he did in London one of the things he says is that I don't work with non-professional actors um, because I can't direct them and he prefers to professional actors professional actors yeah so he prefers to work with non-professional actors people he finds partly because he can direct them and their their responses are more real and then he makes this decision with Camille Claudel with Slack Bay and now with Mm -hmm. France to start shoot working with professional actors but in between that Concon happens I just for the listeners I want to outline Concon Concon is like it's two times four 50-minute episodes. The first season is a murder mystery, basically based on um, finding the chopped up bits of someone's body, uh, someone's headless body inside a cow, and these two kind of bumbling detectives in a French village wandering around trying and interviewing people, talking to people. Gradually more murders start happening. Various suspects get eliminated. Um there's also a kind of stranger, stranger thing style group of children who are better, you know, more Att- clued attuned to, to what's going yeah, on. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's almost midwitch cookies. Vibe. And, and, um, yeah. And then that sort of has, it's not a spoiler to say that the, 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 the central MacGuffin mystery is, is, is left unresolved. 
season two, four years later, so many of the actors have visibly aged, shows um, uh, it, it has this sci-fi theme where various globules of of, of gunk, of, 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 of cosmic gunk, cosmic kind spunk. of uh, just like <laughs> jizz onto the onto the earth. <laughs> And create Apocalypse. exactly, Apocalypse. and create these. Yeah, we'll get out of our systems now. Exactly. Um, so that yeah, uh, and you have this whisper of, um, <laughs> and we'll talk about the Twin Peaks comparison very soon. But you have these whisper. There's a whisper in the kind of the car that's driving on on its side a lot, in the first um, and the, the absurdity of the cow murders. Um, you have these um, these whispers of absurdity and surrealism and the supernatural, and then it comes it comes full in full force in coin coin and the extra humans which is the second season which is like that whole world turned inside out through this kind of cloning device that happens to various characters yeah god it's so phenomenal it's so good (laughs) it's It's so fucking good it's a really good um i think uh door or portal for people to get into do more is it? Do you think? I think mm. I, I I kind of like when I've Dumont pilled people. I've, mm. I've opened with like I think so. with Kong Kong because it's like it's shot like a television drama. It's a little bit slow, I suppose, and doesn't have the usual beat. But it has the procedural elements of what a, what a cop like Nordic cop show is, right? Um, the but only it really leads being, people up the garden. Path. It does because it's never resolved, as you say, um, because the the police are not really well meaning and they're completely ineffectual. Um, and there is no, you know, often one of the the um, kind of uh, structural elements of these procedurals is they do give us a glimpse of the of the murderer. We get to see a little bit of them and their motivations and hear the external, which is either the person who's killing people and stuffing them in cows or is this extraterrestrial force. It's completely motiveless. It's like H.G. Wells, isn't it? Like mm-hmm, this, mm-hmm. this alien force Not making John its Wyndham plans against yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so we don't have any... All we have is this kind of this this the world as it is mm. of this investigation that's going nowhere, um, but it has all of the comedic beats like the car kind of like driving on its side, which is very very funny, um, and it has these kind of this real slapstick mm. um, energy. You know, the characters are exaggerated, have strange verbal tics. The dialogue is kind of frustrating, uh, but amusingly frustrating. Um, it has all of the. Um, I mean, kind of. everything is the the logic of the tick kind yeah. of comes to dominate everything, like facial ticks, verbal ticks. So um, many of the actors have, have gags become ticks themselves, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and Man. things spread virally throughout the whole cast, and you know. Yeah, yeah, the, like being murdered is sort of viral. Clone, yeah, yeah. Being cloned <laughs> yeah. is viral. Like being, there yeah, is yeah, things, everyone gets a clone. <laughs> yeah, 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 everything kind of becomes. And the, yeah, the, the the actor, the main actor, um, who plays the detective Van Der Eiden, Van Der Eiden yeah. becomes. Um, he he's just becomes fa- more and more fascinating as the series goes on. You become more transfixed by his strange. Um, his tics, his his expressions, his, his tor- tautologist kind of like responses to things. Like the rules are the rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's constantly like he he will be confronted by something which is truly extraordinary, mm. um, and he will just kind of <laughs> these kind of sounds like a balloon, um, and he will just make these statements about kind of the, he's obsessed with the, the the even while they're like driving on two wheels down the road in a police car, he'll stop some kids on bikes going. The, what about the the rules of the road? The rules of the road. Gendarme national, and he'll kind of like gendarme national. Gendarme yeah, national. Yeah, he'll yeah. he'll kind of ejaculate with these kind of stock phrases. He mm. doesn't have much a depth of dialogue. He often repeats the same things again and again and again. But and there are also tremendous moments when like. Uh, uh, 
his kind of uh, this ridiculous um, concatenation of basically glitches and eruptions and mm. uh, yeah ejaculations is uh, seen from the outside and so we see him at one of the um, one of the meetings in the in the village and the and we see the kind of aloofness and the coldness with which he's treated by the others around him. Oh, Remember? the veterans, yeah, the veterans, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and he becomes to seem this kind of you know, outwardly ridiculous figure. And he, these sorts of uh, parallax view shifts, he does do mm. occasionally, but he never, never in a way that cheapens it. I think. I no, know. he is also incredible as a director at depicting interiority, and I do think that is perhaps a through line. It, from Humanité, well, from his first film, but no notably Humanité, the scene where he gets in the car having seen the dead body of the child and switches on, oh my God, on the car radio and this harpsichord piece plays yes. and then yeah. he stops the radio and drives off the, and you just follow his like the slight movements in his neck. You know, I mean, this is why people compare him to Bresson. Um, you know, the it may, observation it, of It may be body. erroneous to an extent, but it does, it, there is something they share, a very good thing but they I share think, as directors. I think he's ultimately a better caster because I think, mm. um, his, his, yeah, they're more yeah, memorable people. Yeah, Bresson tried to do what, or, or, or professed to do what Dumont is actually doing mm. with his kind of mm. non-professional, mm. anti-theatrical acting. Yeah, I mean, he spends an enormous amount of time searching for the right face, uh, and when the films when the films don't quite come off, I think like Flanders, which as as good as it is, I think it's clearly fall short of l'humanité and uh, yeah. le mm. de Jesus. Like, I, I, because that him, because of... The main guy you think is a bit he, dead. Yeah, I, no, I think he, the extremity is, uh, the Not menace is, is this, this too much um, brooding and there's, mm. there's, yeah. But they don't, I mean, one of the things about his, his characters as well, you mentioned interiority, he's great at showing interiority through corporeality and through the, a, a body and its expressions and its ticks. What he people don't tell us is how they feel. No one ever expresses that they are mm -hmm, sad mm -hmm. or angry. We see these kind of sublimated explosions of their feelings. So Hosatan, the girl, speaks very, very, very little in the film. It emerges that she's been abused by her father, um, and and the the the, the figure Lagar murders. You know, he takes revenge mm -hmm. as it were and kills the father with a shotgun, blows him away. Um, which kind of binds her close, more closely to him because, in a way, he saved her. Um, but at no point does she ask him to do this. It's just accepted. She's hovering at his shoulder. There's no kind of exchange or deal made. Mm. Whereas you know, someone with Bresson, you know, Diver Country Priest is great at showing us the trembling, the, the, the overwhelming spiritual angst of the priest, but we also get him writing in his diary, mm. which kind yeah. of punk it gives us too much almost. That's true. That's always um, something I've had struggled with with Diver Country Priest, actually, is like... Like the like the diary, <laughs> yeah. Because it's like Just we already it, get it. We already <laughs> yeah, get that yeah. he's feeling spiritually anguished. I haven't seen that for a while. So I we know this from the potato peeling scene. Like we don't yeah. also need to. See, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's that's that's you know but him eating his so little sad d meals of bread and wine. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that tells us. No, there are moments know. of like very of deep brevity where someone says like the bit where in Flanders, which I do very much like, where he he's finished telling the story of what happened when he was at war, which we don't need to be told because we see We've it. Seen it. But then when he finishes it, you know, he, we just see the end of the scene where he's talking to his love, his, uh, the friend of his love, his, uh, the, the, the woman he's in love with. Uh, and he just says, it was hell there, you know. And, and, and he doesn't, he's ex completely expressionless, but he just says that. And moments like that, I think, are very powerful. And, and that's something, yeah. that restraint, whether it's a restraint of like, 
you know, sometimes it will be someone screaming. It's economy and not I saying think, anything. Yeah. But it's yeah, yeah, it's an understanding of the balance of these things in terms of what will what will conjure the most. I mean, you know, it's most startling, I guess, in Flanders where the the, the rapist is identified by the um, you know the the, the 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 people in the in the desert. Um, you know, there's this gang rape that's been happened. The woman who's raped identifies. You know, they they they're recaptured by by the people they were um, occupying and. Um, and yeah, they identify the rapist. They take him. What you just hear him screaming, and it's left to your imagination the, the yeah. mutilations they're they're enacting on them. Um, but the, yeah, this interiority is is and this kind of conscience that's enabled that is a through line that goes through to France. We do see a lot of Leia say do um, processing much in the same way as other actors do. I think even though she's a very very trained and much yeah. used to different kinds of directing techniques, you do see her process very movingly. I think you know the various kind of changes in her life brought mm. about by you know her own kind of complacency irresponsibility yeah her own yeah there are moments of uh almost silent contemplation in the film not many because it's much more dialogue it's, too it's much talking, more discursive it's too and talky yeah. yeah than his other films and people are better able to articulate and contextualize their feelings of what's happening to them which doesn't really happen in um you know his other films you know it's hell is enough. He doesn't have to kind of talk about abjection and, and war and doesn't have to situate any kind of philosophical language. Um, you know, even with, yeah, it's, it's moments of unspoken empathy, even if those bits of empathy fall short. I mean, uh, in L'Humanité, you know, when, uh, so Farion is the descendant of a famous kind of regional painter um, and he donates a painting to the museum. Um, and when the painting's mm. put there, you know, kind of act of institutional gifting, which the kind of curator, as it were, probably finds, uh, you know, relatively normal. Uh, he contemplates this painting for a great long time. He, he looks at this painting, really observes it. Um, and that kind of gives you an insight into his, his inner complexity in a way that... That is one um, of the great, like guy in a gallery scenes yeah. I mean, he's up there with john just all know? of them is in new york exactly yeah that's <laughs> yeah. true it does remind me of that actually framing one mm. totally yeah so there are these yeah he's he's really yeah economical in terms of uh showing us all this depth without actually having to say it. in the same way he's good at showing us the divine without having to sh but show us god part of the problem um, you face in that context is that most of the films up into france are people who don't typically analyze themselves they're not you know new york neurotics they're not people who go to therapy well and this and this is where the line of critique comes and in, 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 in france but, yeah. there's france. literally when you're trying to create that noise that happens when people process whatever they're processing it's not the sound of a threshing machine or someone screaming it's someone going on a chat show and talking about their their trauma well it's hard to deal with inarticulacy when yeah, yeah. when your main character uh, is somebody whose whose entire profession is their articulacy exactly and that she's pretty much the first is she the yeah she's the first high, i suppose hyper articulate protagonist he ever had and i think that's yeah. part of what uh, what he struggled with but do you yeah, not feel that, that some of the i mean is it possible do you think to to go for a Dumontian approach uh, with people who, who, you know, post on Instagram. Are you asking whether you can make a Dumont-style film about the middle class? Yeah, or like, or, and specifically the metropolitan middle class, specifically people who, mm. who have already narrativized their lives, have already decided, 
you know, this is my story. This mm. is what happened. I knocked over this Arab guy on in the road, and now I'm feeling this. I'm going to well, donate this money. I'm oh, gonna, yeah, the, like, what Ralph is I, referring to there, yeah. sorry, it's kind of is uh, one of the kind of early moments for France. Is she knocks his delivery, like I guess his delivery driver yeah. off his moped. Yeah. Uh, he then is sufficiently disabled that he can't work for a few months and will suffer a loss of income. So not only just apologizing she feels particularly kind of she owes a debt of mm. an awkward gratitude to this family so ends up giving them a lot of money and yeah. visiting mm. them but him and his family are inarticulate and are depicted in a very like typical Dumontian way but she is very but he's the best character in the whole film I mean it's when she goes around to uh, do this kind of secret millionaire style act of penitence <laughs> um, this the guy who she knocked over he's on the sofa throughout the whole scene yeah. with his headphones on listening to music <laughs> like I really feel That's he's good. the only director who could who could I don't know I stage wondered, this scene like that yeah I wondered about that and I was like is <laughs> is he got like has he got quite severe like learning difficulties or something or was he just like kind of indifferent but i think also they are like they don't feel he's on the payroll of a clinic and and uh, you know he gives gives everybody a job <laughs> <laughs> they they don't feel that the family and the and baptiste the guy don't feel baptiste, that, yeah. they don't feel like part of the same contract they're not opportunistic either but they just when she starts you know visiting a lot and hand wringing herself and trying to donate yeah. money they don't really understand that response because it's it, it, it's a it's a different they're befuddled they're befuddled by yeah. her, her guilt and her angst um, as are the people in a and her way of articulating herself yeah. which is very kind of I think that's the main fault line then I think we mm. got to it like articulacy is 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 where he situates the class differences in his films yeah. uh, like in yeah. Malut for instance uh, Slack is that Slack Bay Slack yeah. Bay yeah um, the cannibal sailor boy yeah 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 and then that, that's that's uh, entirely where it is between the holiday makers and the the, the kind of local fishermen who inhabit this island where they mm -hmm. all go on holiday yeah. um, is speaking essentially mm -hmm. you know yeah. those who are verbal and those who are non-verbal yeah because yeah. he, he often um, when he first meets the family the kind of wealthy mm. aristocratic family he, he's, he's completely mute in front of their idiotic babbling and he's good there because he kind of exaggerates um this kind of they, they are more articulate those characters but they talk absolute waffle it's so nonsense. well lit as well it's crazy beautifully like yeah. it's, it, it's, it's amazing because yeah it's the, all the, reflectors as well is it yeah, yeah. it's, it's incredible I mean it's incredible it's his most like bright and beautiful uh, almost because it is Proustian it's like it's I think intentionally set in 1910 you can't fail to make mm. these kind of like these links with Proust who is who is re referenced in a, invoked in, in Concom um, and the um these these kind of aristocratic people kind of babble. The the husband Andre is a marvelous oh my character. God, he's, he's got this hump incredible stoop back. Yeah, he's got like a little hump back, and he kind of yes, this way talking like this, <laughs> which is completely. You think no, no, is he? He's doing a bit, but he just persists with this bizarre sing song, kind of flim flammy accent throughout but the whole film. But meanwhile, Crazy Juby just dials it f way too far up. She goes so panto. She, she pushes it, doesn't she? She really ruins every scene she's in. Yeah, she really does. It's a shame because she's not yeah. in it for the first half an hour or so. Yeah. And it's it's great. And I was like, oh, maybe maybe I, I got it wrong and Juliette Binoche isn't in this film. And then she rocks up, yeah, like I a panto dame. <laughs> uh, but she doesn't get it. She's trying to do what... She, exactly. She, yeah. she's, she's just not on the wavelength whatsoever. No. Um, Speaking of this idea of articulacy, I'm, I'm going to read an extract of um, 
Humanity, the, the screenplay for Humanity. Yeah, yeah. Which is um, it's, it's written in French, so this is a Google Translate. Um, but uh, it gives you some idea of like screenplays are uh, uh, a, a set of in, I always think a set of IKEA instructions for a film. They are not they are not writing. They are not the film, but they are the it, the instructions, the means by which to make a film. Um, so this is the scene where he's in the car. He's, he, uh, having seen the dead body and he, of the girl and he switches on the radio in the Citroen a beeping sound came from the handset lost in the shadow of the floor a small blue light was flashing there it went on for a while like that without anything being changed then a hand came in pale parted and outstretched, outstretched picking up the hook he quickly said that everything was fine that it was not long sitting down he looked where he came from later muttering he pulled himself together and applied his mind to thinking as the whole sweating body was released there was in the melody of the air played on the harpsichord its rhythm, its harmony, a transport, a joy, so lively that they increased its power to act. Pharaoh's smile, Pharaon, Pharaon's smile, was so awkward there in the culmination of his flesh that he saw the simple beauty of a gracious heart and at that moment the discomfort of the parting body and all of this visible. Pharaon took some time to meet. His two fingers had gripped the radio button the entire time there had been a coincidence of air and emotion. He had played and squeezed out all the juice. All this cinema he was making, putting himself in this state, this disastrous overflow, he had enjoyed his grief. A face made magnificent on the arpeggios, the lively cadence, head thrown back, torso protruding, legs bent, pain offered, the invention of a theatre so intimate that he cried. Oh my god. It has Somebody to be s- needs to publish these. <laughs> yeah. They've been published in France, you know? They um, must have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were, yeah. both of them. But like, in French. In French. But it yeah. has to be said that is there are certain weird elements of like accidental poetry that occur mm. when you put something through Google Translate. Yeah. <laughs> I think certain phrases there do feel a bit unfamiliar, but mm. there is clearly Fuck. it is clearly an attempt to capture something that is absolutely there in the film mm. that one would not necessarily imagine. I mean when I tried to imagine as an exercise what that scene would look like in the screenplay format, I wrote it in traditional screenplay format as just quite a short set of like yeah. physical instructions. But what he writes there is cap- like is capacious of the end product well it's like Alexei German's ones is that right? mm. which is uh, his wife wrote yeah and they're, they're quite uh, quite similar and basically suggestive of a mood yeah yeah. Um, more literary than the, the final product itself more, is perhaps yeah, yeah. and there's, like, there's an inefficiency to this that I really uh, admire because <laughs> 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 I, I you know I think anybody involved in filmmaking to some measure should be uh, especially if like he boasts about staying within budget but yeah. like there's the sh- they should be wasting somebody's money in the world, somebody's time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, at some point along the way. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's a yeah. What he's doing there is like you said, your 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 trajectory for it was to write as a series of physical instructions. Yeah. He's writing from the inside out. He's mm-hmm. writing from the interior and its expression in an ungainly way through the body. And that's something we were talking about the other day on WhatsApp when we were like, you know, saying that his characters seem to wear their bodies awkwardly. They're kind of. It feels like a. Um, trembling congealed mass of the soul or spirit mm-hmm. around which this body is draped and these bodies are now set out on these different motions and they have to go and live in the world and they're I- incompletely tutored to do it these you know one thing you could say about kitchen sink dramas is, is the naturalism and the easiness of how people do things nothing mm. is easy no, for people no, in this world it's, it's the ticks the awkward walks even the physical comedy which yes is tatty-esque and slapstick but it's part of their 
the fact that these people are kind of bouncing around. But there's nothing typical, unlike a lot mm. of uh, Tati's best humor comes from the typicality of a movement. You see it setting um, up. Yeah. Yeah, you see that, whereas here it's like, uh, again, it's through weird repetitions, you know, people don't learn from their behaviors, like Kong Kong constantly fall, not Kong Kong, Fred in Le Vion Jesus continually mm -hmm. falling off his bike. <laughs> so he's constantly got some sort of unhealed scar or, or kind of wound on his back somewhere because he just, every time he tries to slow down on his motorbike, he just falls off and crashes. It's a kind of transcendence through imperfection. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and then you can connect that to the to the corpulent um, chef, uh, chief in Slack Bay, chief in Slack Bay, kind of continually. You can, he can't walk more than like six steps without falling over. It's so. And then we realise he's not fat. He's filled with helium. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. Because like, you can hear it's the great doing balloons. Is that obesity yeah. doesn't exist? Uh, it's just yeah. uh, inflation. He's mentality. Yeah. After all, just, just stop eating. Because it's good. Like the first time he does it, it's it's so inelegant, but attains a kind of gracefulness when he kind of they're walking down the slope to where they believe somebody's gone missing and they found some spectacles, and he kind of goes, "Oh, I, I might slip down this," and then he kind of, <laughs> kind of lays down almost and rolls down. It's mm. somewhere between really over choreographed and completely accidental, right? And in the physical comedy, is so much better because you. Yeah, in the way he kind of seems to accept, he almost seems to cause it to happen. And so you're like, is is he doing this on purpose? Mm -hmm. So people's motivations are always really unclear. You know, the way Danny, for example, keeps running into doors. Danny, yeah, yeah, In yeah. Kong Kong, mm -hmm. like the, the kind of retard brother who's yeah. come back from an institution who we're led to believe, you know, kind of incorrectly, I suppose, might be the murderer, which is completely absurd, um, continually runs into the barn door. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, it's incredible because it keeps happening in and these what about repetitions. The sex? The yeah, we ah, haven't talked about that. Yeah. Is yeah. one thing on our list. That's so early. I, I think actually, if we mm. were we were looking before to locate the the moment of uncanniness mm. in his first film, yeah, I think it, it would be in those scenes. The in kind of rutting, the rutting, yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, in a way, he says in an interview that his sex is not realistic. Yeah, but I find it to be actually one of the more mm. kind of blunt and. And it's pumping and kind of like I mean yeah. we don't want to get into our own personal yeah. privacies, but I think that is like <laughs> sim more similar to what sex is like than say how David Lynch portrays it it's not beautiful it's kind of like um, you understand a certain like of, 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 of uh, just a, like fleshiness and a, and a kind of rep repetition and that's why Flanders for me kind of exa uh, exaggerates this particular trope mm -hmm. um I don't mean the scene at war. I mean the the ones in the field beforehand. Yeah. Um, oh, I thought they were quite beautiful. Mm. But, but they're, they're, they're if you watch them in succession after having seen the first two, it begins to and with uh, twenty nine palms in between. It's sort of yeah. But that's his approach. True, but they fall by the wayside in the comic works. I think yeah, dude, there's there's not there's, really any sex in there. those later works. I mean, um, I think the. Well, yeah, the Vion Jesus, it's, there's that particular scene where they go in. They, but that's they, like saying there's no sex in Tatty. I mean, there's know. loads of all sex, man. Um, but they, you know, Every they time someone pushes a button. Or, you know, <laughs> like, exactly. The libido, is, the the libido is sublimated. It's um, things, isn't it? Yeah. But they go out, to, they, they ride out to that field to go and have sex. And it's very kind of uh, almost mechanical until you see this enormous explosion of energy where he kind of uses her like a, a sock puppet almost. There's um, actually no sex in Dumont after his comic tat. But he starts like in working France, with, there's no sex. He starts working with people with learning disabilities and professional why, why, actors. Why, why is that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's why. Right. No Two groups of people that you probably can't do that with. <laughs> 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 
I mean, come on, imagine the, the release form. You'd have to get the day sensor to sign off to go to the release way, can we get... form. <laughs> Can we get Danny to like um, uh, <laughs> dip down in the bar? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, no, there is. I, I think one thing we we talked about in the other episode: the his treatment of uh, the the body violence and sex are often quite, yeah, they're they're un, uncannily real. Um, you know, in humanity, it's when the body's discovered and there's that kind of uh, the origin of the world. Yeah, kind of maggots oh maggots God. paint yeah, of, of like the the vulva and yeah. the legs in the head it's not sexy um, but it's not not sexy. that's one of the mm. um yeah less subtle art historical f- references but they're all mm. over the shop you know yeah, like the shop. A, the com- particularly coro, yeah, yeah. Um, i mean must say as well that like one thing we haven't really talked about is um when while he's undergoing this comic turn we've we've i think we've established enough that there are real continuities and and persisting kind of motifs across all these films so yeah. the comic films are just an intensification of what he was doing but well, they're like problems he hasn't solved yet he mm. needs to return to or mm. yeah id physics or something you know but he has very interestingly adapted his yeah and, and and that's i suppose why um i mean we haven't really referred to twin peaks although there's not much to say except we we very interestingly think twin peaks is not as good as the, Kong the, Kong the sequel to Kong That Kong. is if you take one take. That is the, that is the cool it. move to take. Twin Peaks, the event series number three is, is good, but it's no Kong Kong and Extra Humans. In terms of... Distinguish yourself at your next... Yeah, in terms of... Jamboree, this is your one, okay? They will be loving. They'll be all over you like flies. Can we talk about musicals? Quick moment. Yeah, well, let's Jeanette talk about music a music in general. It's a rock actually. opera. Yeah, music First in general in his film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The music because in France actually is so melodramatic, but mm. I kind of love it. But it's it's very atypical. Well, because there's none yeah. in the early stuff apart from apart the non which would a bit of radio mm. here and there. But then you have, for me, one of the most extraordinary scenes in the first series. Lil Kun Kun is. Uh, is this kind of young farmer style? <laughs> we'll pump it in at the this end. This teenage of girl that has this song, she sings. But in it's, it's extraordinary because uh, the switch up there is um, it's pop. Uh, not only is the song itself like a certified banger which went mm. on to be I think on the French charts and like yeah, sold loads but it felt really familiar it's on Spotify but I didn't know yeah, like well the familiarity yeah. is, is amazing not, I it thought it was Natasha just Natasha Beddingfield or like, yeah. I, I thought it know. was her doing a uh, already existing song but no it doesn't no. It, no, it was so invented it was with the for that. Mm. and then so anyway this, this girl sings right. this and they were all you know these um these horrible little juvenile tykes uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know they're momentarily softened uh, and, oh, really? uh, and everybody is uh, everybody's kind of affected by this and you know for a series of close-ups and then well, within, they bully the shit up then they bully the shit up <laughs> by singing Exactly, and that, that, that's I love this bathos. Amazing, I mean, so that is so it. good. It is because it, it speaks to again the the reality is often like people, you know, people aren't just these weird mannequins. They are that you know they're quite actual things that little kids do, and the kind of cruelties that little kids are you know um, can subject to each other, the casual bullying, mm-hmm. um, the, I mean, one of the things he does really well is children in his films, and obviously he made a film almost entirely with children. Um, in terms of Jeanette or you know lots many more child actors mm. um, is that 
they are a source obviously for kind of innocence for him they're uh, as it were uncorrupted by um the adult world or the abs- they can see the absurdities of the adult world for what they are i suppose and they're kind of like our our a litmus test for kind of what's going on so i guess in general holy fools are in his films like farion is kind of like that in as well because he's you know uh he has this weird three three wheels on this weird relationship with this girl he kind of fancies and her boyfriend um and he kind of you know they they kind of patronize him a bit and they're a bit more normal i suppose even though one of them is actually raping a raping murdering, murdering kids young girls. yeah but on the surface yeah they're a bit more normal um and he's kind of this this um quite affected um innocent in this world and there are a lot of these innocents and sometimes but he's also a peeping tom he walks in and watches oh yeah fire. he's still, he's an oddball that's what i mean but he's kind of that's it that's part of his kind of innocence yeah, yeah. in a way that he is these characters you know con con they always happen to manage to be there at the heart of the action you know with the cows being airlifted it's quite funny that dumont said in the interview that he initially scripted that farion would fuck her when she offers herself mm. and and the act and the actor he's disgusted by it the actor says or no because my wife wouldn't let me so the reason wow, the reason wow. that he doesn't actually which i think is a very good creative well, choice th- this is to, to refuse her advances. he says no not like that not like that yeah because she hard wants to, to situate as top or bottom and we know he's on the brutal edge of the continuum <laughs> 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 but no he is actually so he, you think he's he a brutal bottom himself um yeah he's to, more of a brutal bottom to the needs of his uh, yeah. actors yeah. but he also but the vision is insistent is at certain points yeah. on what he wants to achieve so and and for instance one of these would be now that he's started to work with actors um i can't remember where i read it but like there are some uh there was some disquiet on in slack bay that uh, one of the actors i think andre this kind of like silly foppish uh, hunchback um yeah. was not getting the number of close-ups that he had uh, expected <laughs> you know because i mean i don't know this guy but maybe he's a thing in french film um but that refusal, I think, is quite interesting. That, no, you know, you have to share as much screen time with this guy that I met in a chip shop in Normandy. <laughs> yeah. Who <laughs> <laughs> will never be in another film again. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that's, I mean, that's, that's the kind of, uh, yeah, I think that's his hesitancy about working with actors because he said, I can't direct them. And I guess that's evident of it because they know the norms of the film industry and they can come with a contract about how they want to be shot and what they will and won't do. Whereas I think the right. actual process of well, working with actors... Well, the discourse you take would be that he's not able to sculpt them accordingly. Yeah. But then that, that for me, is... I mean, there's a number of reasons that this is a, a, a pea-brained way, <laughs> way of uh, relating to these films. But one would be that... That is just a essentially a bien puissant uh, liberal assumption that these people don't have autonomy. Yeah, you know, that they're not themselves. I mean, that the only people that like Juliette Binoche is the only person who would be able to, you know, resist. Scott. And in but fact, th- like th- we th- said, she's the one thing that she does. She, she kind of ruins Slack Bay mm, because yeah. she brings all her actually. Mm-hmm. She brings acting to it rather than a, a kind of openness and naturalism to you know. And like you said earlier, he one thing he works through multiple takes. I think you know someone like Juliette Binoche would probably become quite frustrated with that. But he works um, this line very cleverly, like in contrast to say Roma, you know, like <coughs> Roma and um, and uh, Dumont are both in a way philosophers. I mean, Dumont mm. literally taught philosophy, but they're both mm. very articulate thinkers who 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 are you know analyzing the world constantly. Du- Dumont rides this line extremely well in terms of siding with the inarticulate and expressing. You know ambiguity from a from a from a sort of non-privileged position. I suppose I hate that that framing, but like the ambiguity expresses is uh, 
it feels very like naive and organic rather than like you know and 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 and, and so where whereas you know Roma for instance channels all of his mega thoughts and and obsessions and desires and nar- narratives of himself into yeah. the characters all the characters in Roma constantly tell you that you know who they're falling in love with who they're not falling in love with you know and so on yeah. and so forth yeah, but I mean, they're, they're interesting <laughs> ones to consider together because they both achieve uh, a lens onto the ineffable by way of the, you know, the entirely banana. ordinary. Yeah. Um, I was going to say that they are less Parisian than, than many other French filmmakers, but perhaps that's not. I mean, but I mean I, I'm not thinking specifically of these kind of Roma ones, which are in like. Um, you know, boring market towns like my boyfriend's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. These sorts of films. But they're yeah. but they're yeah. metropolitan people. Yeah, you know, yeah, green yeah, 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 people yeah. who've gone to the countryside. Chatty people like us who talk about our feelings. I think they're almost complementary, actually, in some ways. The um, uh, Roma and, and, Dumont. and that. And Dumont. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, there's there's a similar kind of um, no- nothingness. About Although the police procedural aspect that's more Chabrolian in mm. in its way, but yeah. Yeah, I think. I mean, talking about process one of the interesting things is with say life of Jesus is how he kind of introduces imminence through his films is that so, so it goes, he obviously cast Fred, Freddie from like literally knocking on his door. Um, the bearing of the title of the film, the life of Jesus to the actual film, fabula of the film itself, there's nothing, but he, that was the first thing he told Freddie. He said the film is called that and he wanted to lodge that idea in his head. So that is swimming around in Fred's That's true. Head. That's the one clear spiritual aspect. I, yeah. I completely mistook that when I was like, what's yeah. the main spiritual aspect <laughs> of the life of Jesus? Oh, the title. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and he lent that from a book which was... Mm. Uh, which was a kind of denaturalizing attempt to historicize the figure yeah. of Jesus. So the, yeah, so that book is, uh, it's the life of Jesus without any of the uh, miracles and the divine, I believe. Mm, I think okay, that's how okay, it goes. Okay. It's just as if Jesus' life was extracted, all of the kind Except of divine... Except the sexy bit where they look at the sky. Yeah, and that's all you get. That's all you get. You get that little bit of, you get a bit of thigh, basically, thigh or sky. <laughs> but he told, he lodged that idea in his head. Um, you know, he also gives actors... That he never gives them the whole script he gives them scene by scene so yeah, they don't have yeah, a bit yeah. picture of the whole um, love it love it which is great which is what generates this kind of uh, and fragmentary this is another model of inefficiency that King I'm going to get behind love well that. That's, that goes hand in hand with like you know if you shoot if you're giving people a scene at a time you know you yep. have to shoot in order you can't like flip around which is why I think sometimes characters visibly change over the film mm. um, you know I think it, say with Slack Bay Andre the, the kind of hunchback father his, his uh, I know I said earlier his, his, his mannerisms do drop off slightly he does become a bit more normal mm. as the film proceeds so he hits it very hard in the first few scenes and then becomes a bit more normal and then in the finale he embraces the policeman and they have this al- almost homoerotic moment the chef when he comes down from the sky true <laughs> and that you almost believe that they're going to kiss yeah yeah, yeah. it's remarkable um on that note, <laughs> on that we've, note. We, we have completed an hour of dumont chat mm. yeah are there any final words and what would you what would you say a dumont virgin should break the seal with george i'd say little kunkun for sure actually 
Um, and then you can work your way backwards and forwards accordingly. Uh, but especially the culmination of the series, um, which is this great uh, round dance in which um, all of the characters we've met, including those who've been uh, eaten up by cows and destroyed in various like increasingly macabre ways, um, are reunited. Uh, I suppose it's slightly reminiscent of... Um, the seventh seal, the final dance up on the mountainside. Oh, very um, nice. literally. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but we also get Ferron from uh, L'Humanité Returns. Mm. Um, That's very true. And he's in the garb of the asylum mm. where he lives. <laughs> uh, but that, yeah, and the whole the whole thing is just this most like phenomenal eruption that, um, yeah. that really does seal the deal that this is an ongoing work yeah. into which, and he's a filmmaker about which you can s say, even when he's fallen off, as I think maybe he did a little bit with France, uh, that you you remain apprehensive, you remain curious about w where mm. his mm. is continuing out, but will take him, you know. And I am interested where he goes from France, because I think in many ways, France, people will, when it eventually comes out in British cinemas yeah. this year, it will get a new audience of people who've never seen Dumont. So by default, it will be the first Dumont film many people have seen. Mm. Yeah, and it's just an art house. It's a it's a ready made art, art house classic. It's a square, an Austin exactly. Film, yeah, um, yeah, and it plays you know like sort of like Succession or something. It's very gripping. But um, but it does. Um, yeah, I mean, I would I would say either start with France because that's sort of available and that's very accessible. And the, the, if you find that little weirdness and intrigue. Mm. Um, enticing then go back to the start but uh, I you think need to get to a point where you can enjoy Heidewitch yeah. which yeah. will take <laughs> you have to go through all the others and yeah. the whole series of cold bars yeah. do you think yeah. that's the do you think that's the, the sort of not horse satan no that's the moment of greatest kind of frigidities oh, like okay. the cold bath right, you know right. i think for me i would say la vida jesus i think if if, if i was being serious people should totally start at the beginning i think people will be less yeah people will be less um confounded because horse satan is probably his most enigmatic film I should think it borrows the language of um, l'humanité in a lot of ways, but it, because it has no driving uh, centrifugal force, um, it's really just a series of stuff that happens just with people this walking around in fields, and getting shot, fields, yes. yeah, getting getting <laughs> That's all too much. walking around in fields. But I think for that that nice for me is the apotheosis yeah. of um, Dumont's kind of of approach and i think that's not sustainable for him to make horse satan again and again and again i'm glad he didn't because it kind of stands out for its 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 insane um imminence um and it's yeah. more imminent than any of his other films and it's probably you know perhaps too much even um which is why some people i think don't like it uh, or find it a little bit too baffling mm. um certainly baffling certainly baffling but um you know the only other thing i can say is l'apocalypse apocalypse apocalypse carpentier <laughs> All right. All right. Take care, All right. listeners. Au revoir. See you soon.